Ever wonder what a real restaurant chef does when he cooks at home? The do's, the don'ts, the must-haves, and the nevers? That's what we're talking about in this episode. Today, I'm interviewing Dennis Litley. He's the founder and CEO of Ask Chef Dennis Productions, where he runs one of the most successful food blogs in the world. With over 1 million followers on social media and almost 10 million page views annually, he's built a loyal following that uses recipes and cooking tips in their home kitchens to feed their families and friends easy-to-make restaurant-style dishes at a fraction of the cost of eating out. I am all about this, and in this episode, we get pretty chefy and pretty detailed in our description. So if you're hungry, be forewarned you're going to be hungrier after you eat this. Have a seat at the chef's table and let's listen. Hi, I'm Maria, otherwise known as the Fit Foodie. I'm a chef, holistic nutritionist, author, inventor, and mom. And I want to welcome you to my podcast. It's called Recipes for Your Best Life. And with every episode, I'm peeling back the onion on fitness, nutrition, health, wellness, and family. The truth is you're the chef of your life, and for every important pillar, there's a great recipe worth sharing. So every week, we'll explore them together. Think of it as food for thought that you can really sink your teeth into. So join me, and let's squeeze the joy out of this life, because you only get one. Can I get a fork, yeah? Chef Dennis, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much for having me on today. It's a pleasure to, to finally get to meet you and to talk with you. Yeah, same here. And it's always fun to talk to another foodie <laughs> about all things food. So share with us, Dennis, just a little bit about your background. Sure. I was a classically trained restaurant chef. I went through an internship, apprenticeship, and was trained by, by master chefs. I went to college and had a degree in food science, but in my kitchen training all came hands-on learning, not in a school, but practical. Uh, I yeah, that's question. So you have a food science background too. That's not that common, but I think it's really practical. How do you think that that's helped you just in how you see food? Because so much of food is chemistry. Well, yeah, there's a lot of chemical reactions and it's just something you need to be aware of. I, I, I'm not a baker by trade, but I love to bake. And that's really where chemistry comes more into action. But just knowing how different ingredients affect something that you're cooking uh, and have, you know, whether you need a little softness added to it or a little bite added to it or just different things that, you know, help you create a better tasting, more flavorful dish. So. Yeah, it's I think, you know, the chemical reaction of food and inter the, the intermingling of ingredients, but also just the different techniques of cooking, whether you're, you know, broiling or you're barbecuing or you're, you know, doing sous vide or whatever it is that you've decided is the best way to treat a, a particular product and how different the outcome can be. And I think that's really part of the fun of it. Absolutely. You know, the uh, proteins react differently to different types of heat. And depending on the protein and what you're trying to achieve, you know, is really the cooking method that would best suit it. I'm kind of old school. I, I don't go into a lot of the, you know, I, sous vide was never, I, I mean, I, I have friends that love it. It was never my thing. Uh, I bought an Instapot. I wanted to love it. I didn't. I bought, <laughs> I 
bought two air fryers. I wanted to love them. I didn't, you know, I, but I, but I learned how to use them so I could at least be a little knowledgeable about them. But I, I'm old school and, and I, I love creating dishes. I love adding sauces and things to them. But, you know, honestly, if, it, if a protein can't stand on its own with like a little olive oil, salt and pepper, there's, there's something wrong with it. You can always well, embellish you know, it. it it's true because I think, you know, with every kind of new innovation in cooking, I mean, when you go back to like your cast iron or your double enamel, you know, um, Le Creuset, like I, I've mm -hmm. had my Le Creuset for like 25 years. Oh, yeah. And there's just so much that we can do without it feeling technical yeah. or, um, or difficult. How do you take your classically trained restaurant experience and then parlay it into easy to follow recipes that you feature on your really popular blog. Well, you know, the, the whole trick in restaurants is it's, it's moving people in and out. I worked at a, a seasonal restaurant at the shore for most of my life and we had to turn those tables, but you know, you also had to provide really good food. Mm -hmm. So meals were prepared in a matter of minutes. You know, there were some that you specials that you would prepare ahead of time and you would do some of the cooking in advance that might take a little longer. But for the most part, order came in, you cook the order, you got it ready, order went out. Yeah. And that's kind of my approach to what I share on my blog. I, I, at the end of the day, I'm tired. I don't have time yeah. to spend two hours making something. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, I wanted to be done in 10, you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, you know, 40 minutes tops. And a lot of my recipes are geared towards however long it takes you to make whatever you're serving with shouldn't be any and, longer. And what are your favorites? Because there are, and I, I'm with you on that. Like a big point of view for me is um, meal prep, because I feel like you can get a lot of the legwork done on things that might take longer if you just consolidate, you know, maybe an hour of prep time a week and get some grains cooked off and get your vegetables and fruits, you know, washed and cut up. Like then the process of cooking the protein usually is pretty quick. What is your, what, what are your go-tos that if somebody said, I just need dinner in like 10 minutes or less, what are your go-tos? Well, one of my favorites is, you know, everybody loves chicken. Chicken's inexpensive. Uh, it's an easy protein to work with. One of my favorites, my wife's favorite is chicken marsala. In fact, mm. we just had that last night. You know, it's, it comes down to, to making sure that the chicken isn't too thick, that it's going to take forever to cook. So you either cut it down the middle or you pound it out, one of the two, depending on the size of it. But, you know, throw it in a pan with, and I love mushrooms in mine, you know, with mm -hmm. some mushrooms and uh, marsala, maybe a little chicken stock. And then you, I tighten up. When I was in the restaurant, all the pan sauces we used were basically tightened up with a bermudier. If you take in some soft butter, roll it into flour, and then pop it in the sauce and stir mm -hmm. it around. Simple. Easy. Such a great hack, right? Oh yeah, I mean that's that's what I tell people. Bermanier, you know, it, it's you can have a little a roux made up in your refrigerator, and you can put a little roux ball in it if you want to. But this is just easy. You just take and butter, butter at the end of a meal of a dish when you're cooking it. That's when you want to put the butter in, so you right. can taste the butter. And by the way, for everybody listening, that is so important to know because butter does not have a high smoking point. So you don't necessarily want to like get that super, use it to fry because then it acidifies. And that's when we have issues with, um, you know, chemicals and toxicity. But 
if you add it in near the end when you know it's really just melting like that's where the magic happens oh yeah and, and that's where you add that richness and the flavor to it so it's not like you're cooking with a lot of butter you know it, it's it's granted if you overdo it thing nothing's good for you it's moderation yeah. but adding that little tablespoon of butter towards the end you know just riches the sauce up and it, it's just it makes it that much better mm, you're making me hungry now <laughs> marcella and i'm all about the mushrooms with it um you know i'm a big fan of cooking seafood and i think there's nothing faster than cooking shrimp or scallops you know um i think sometimes people are quite intimidated by them though because they seem difficult, but they're really quite easy. I mean, shrimp two minutes on each side, basically, and scallops like they're great high sear and you know, you just don't need a lot with them. Do you find that people are surprised when they when they just see you deconstruct it and just how easy it can be? Absolutely. And I, and I think the biggest roadblock to people wanting to cook seafood too is it's expensive. Mm. So they're afraid they're going to ruin it. And, and more times than not, they do because they overcook it. Yes. And, and, and overcooking seafood is the biggest sin you can commit against it. And it's because you're you're sucking all the liquid out of it. I mean, this this creature was in the water. So it's got to have some water in it. You have to yeah. think along those terms. Um, but yes, shrimp. Oh my goodness. Shrimp cook up in no time. And and you can do a myriad of things with shrimp. You know, uh, yeah. one of my wife's favorite too is shrimp and broccoli, you know, and I, I'm will even parboil the broccoli ahead of time and have it in there. And I can use some of it for a vegetable the next night. You know, it's something again, like you said, prep ahead of time. So you don't have to work as hard uh, and, you know, just cooking those shrimp in there with the broccoli. She loves artichokes. I'll throw some of those in there. And one hack I found, like when I was in a restaurant, we always had a seafood stock and we always had a chicken stock and a beef stock to, mm -hmm. to add to make sauces. But I found that most of the time adding the chicken stock to some of my seafood dishes mm. didn't make it taste like chicken, but it gave it that little punch that it needed to really bring the flavor profile up. I'm so with you on that. Yeah. I always use chicken stock. I mean, pretty, pretty much unilaterally. Um, and I find it just like it has that little bit of umami and yeah. it, it complements the fishiness or the salt, you know, just kind of that salt uh, smell of mm -hmm. the seafood, I think, in a really nice way and kind of tones it down rather than amplifying. It. I'm totally with you on that. Yeah. And, and using stock and broth is really healthy. You know, I think that's people don't often see that as um you know something that you can really lean into but i always recommend for people even if you don't have time to make your own to just have some aseptic containers on hand it's yeah. always better homemade don't get oh, me absolutely that. but if you if you have to lean into that and um just a little bit of that with butter and some lemon for me all the way yeah. Yeah, I mean, and again, yeah, like I said, stocks are not difficult to make. It's probably something you don't think about, and that's that's where the the difficulty comes in. It's like, oh, I should have used the shells for that. Like, I'll save my shrimp shells and throw mm -hmm. them in a bag in the freezer, and then every now and then I'll make a dish and make it out of the shrimp stock, or you know, the bits and ends of fish. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll, well, actually, I save those for seafood soup. I save all of my leftover pieces of fish and make a nice seafood soup when I have enough. Um, but you know it, it's easy to cook seafood again the thing you need to remember is is be gentle with it mm -hmm. you know the salmon uh i don't know i just i couldn't eat salmon for the longest time because i had never had it 
cooked properly. And then someone cooked it more like a medium rare. I'm like, well, this is delicious. You know, this mm -hmm. is before I really started working in the industry. I said, this is delicious. Um, well, and it it's like anything that is not supposed to have that much heat on it will dry out. And there's nothing worse than a dry yeah. piece of fish, you know? Oh, absolutely. Or absolutely. then you have to come back and add fat to it to, mm -hmm. to make it edible. So less is more. more. Yeah. <laughs> That that's, goes back to another one of my hacks. Uh, whenever we would put fish in the oven to finish cooking, to finish baking, or to finish cooking, I always added water or a little white wine to the pan. And by most of the time, just water, because I, I always tell people fish came from the ocean. You don't want it to dry out completely. You want it to suck a little of that moisture back up while it's finishing cooking mm -hmm. to keep it a little moist. So you know, that's something that I've always done. And I, I tell people to do on my blog. Yeah. Are there any other, would you say, kind of corrections or, you know, just little notes that you would offer to the home chef that maybe they've tried something that they just really don't like it, but maybe they've missed something like just another little cardinal sin, I guess, of cooking that you see over and over again? Well, one of the things I see is, is generally not cooking. All right. Well, we don't want to cook a protein too much, not cooking a vegetable that you're using enough like onions or mushrooms mm. and letting them let or even carrots letting them caramelize you know where you're looking for beef you want that mallard reaction to get that taste into it with with vegetables a lot of them you want them to caramelize a little bit and to get that little bit of natural sugars out and the sweetness that it adds i mean there's world of difference if you want to make a mushroom soup or risotto or a nice mushroom sauce cook those mushrooms for about 10 minutes let yeah. them really cook let yeah. them really cook and get that deep down flavor out of them uh you know if you want to add some more natural sweetness without putting sugar or any other thing into it with carrots you know let them cook slow and some butter and caramelize and really bring the flavor out uh, leeks or wonderful onions you know just you get so much more out of them i think the biggest affront that i find you know, people use slow cookers, which are wonderful, uh, people making soups, but they'll tend to throw the vegetables into the broth. Mm. They, you, you need to saute those vegetables. You need to sweat them down. You need to let them cook a little bit before you put the liquid in. Otherwise, yeah. you have boiled vegetables. Yeah, you're so right. You are so speaking my language right now. I think just becoming familiar with each product that you're working with to kind of coax out the best of it right yeah. um and and to allow yourself a little bit of time in the process i mean we're talking about like a few extra minutes with the mushrooms where you turn them from being like kind of these stiff you know woody kind of you know little bits that don't have a lot of great texture either to something that's literally silk and just yeah. kind of it, it it complements what you're doing so much more to give it that extra love do you do you um so this this is kind of like a hot topic because we're coming on father's day mm -hmm. and for me this is like a hot topic for me because i love to grill like grilling is one of my favorite ways to cook um i definitely got that from my dad uh he was a, a and still is a big time griller. But I think a lot of women don't necessarily feel comfortable at the grill for whatever reason. I just say it's a big oven. Um, but what 
tips could you maybe offer the home chef out there, particularly the women that maybe want to make something nice for Father's Day and maybe give their husbands a little break? It doesn't have to be at the grill, but I do love the idea of empowering women to be able to grill and feel better about it. Oh, absolutely. It is definitely not a man's domain. It's just the one that they're relegated to because that's usually the only place in the kitchen they're allowed to be because they, <laughs> they they cause too much collateral damage otherwise. So, um, you know, grilling, a few simple tips. I'm not a huge griller, but I like to grill. I enjoy the flavor of it in parts. Uh, push come to shove, I would cook over charcoal only. Mm. But you know, that's sometimes it's just impractical. So I have a gas grill. My wife doesn't like charcoal. So I have a gas grill. <laughs> but yeah. charcoal adds some really nice, interesting oh, yeah. flavor, uh, oh, especially yeah. the different charcoals you can use. Totally. But the biggest thing you need to know about grilling is the grill has got to be hot. You know, you have to let it heat up, preheat it just like you would preheat an oven. You know, close the lid, let it heat up. The grill has to be clean. Mm. So make sure you get a nice brush and brush it clean. Uh, if you're going to put a protein on it, it's not a bad idea to either brush it with a little bit of oil or, or to wipe. You know, I, I, I don't want to tell people to wipe it with a paper towel because it could light up or they could get burned. You know, you have to be very careful. You know, use a long pair of tongs. But, uh, but to get a little bit of oil on it or to brush the protein with a little bit of oil before you put it on, just so it doesn't stick and it doesn't give you a difficult time lifting it. You know, steaks are, are pretty easy to go with. And the other thing that'll make you look like you really know what you're doing, even if you're just don't you know as always i was saying you know, if you can't dazzle with brilliance baffle them with you know what so is <laughs> cross you make it <laughs> yeah cross hatch you know the the, yes. the people go ooh ah and simply cross hatch means when you lay up the protein on the grill lay it at a diagonal going across the grill grates don't turn it over, you know, after you let it cook for a while, get some marks on it and then turn it the other way diagonally. Mm -hmm. And then you get these beautiful diamond shapes. And even if it doesn't taste as good as you think, you know, people eat with their eyes. First impression yeah. is going to be, wow, this is a really good looking steak. Yes. Um, and and I want I want women to feel so empowered because Look, going out to eat on any major holiday is oh. such an ordeal. Oh, and you get so much more value when you can do it yourself and just oh, absolutely. feel so much better. Have you ever wondered, is rinsing my produce with the water that comes out of the sink that I don't even drink enough to really clean it? Well, then you're one of the smartest people I know because you're absolutely right. It's not enough. That's why we created the only all-natural and patented line of food wash and wipes, and it's called Eat Cleaner. It's tasteless, odorless, and lab-tested, and it removes up to 99.9% .9 of the residue that water can't, including pesticides, wax, soil, and junk that can carry bacteria, that can really make you sick. Plus, we formulated it to help extend the shelf life of your fresh produce too. And that'll save you money. When your berries are lasting up to 10, 12 days, you know that's a good thing. It helps your produce last up to five times longer using a natural blend of fruit acids and antioxidants. 
So there's no chemicals. It's just clean eating fun. And this can help save your family an average of over $500 per year. Make it easy on yourself, reduce waste, and get that fruit and veggies into your body, where it's gonna do you a lot of good and not in the trash. Check us out, eatcleaner.com, or head to our Amazon store at amazon.com forward slash eatcleaner. I would add to that too, you know, just like you said before, watch your heat so that you don't get flare ups and don't overcook it. There's, you know, there's that point and use a meat thermometer, you know, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, feel good about using them. There are some really easy to use ones that have a clear digital display that even have a little wire connecting them so that you, you see the panel on the outside. You don't even have to open the grill right. until it reaches the right temperature. And then, you know, it's done. Sure. Um, and, and wow. Wow. Dad. And uh, you know what? Involved too. That's the perfect father's day gift. Mm. So, so yes. you're going to give him a nice digital thermometer that maybe doesn't have any wires that's wireless that he can use on his phone and you can use it to cook him dinner with he's not going to be upset that you use it he's going to be thrilled to death that he got it yes and the, and the fact that you're using it to, to test it out it will even mean more but you know it's a great way and, and i know cooking a steak for my wife and cooking a steak for myself is it's two different animals you know she wants hers unrecognizable i want mine still mooing so <laughs> Yeah, I, and and the new the new wireless ones are even better. Spend a little bit of extra money oh, on. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, those are great, and you can operate them from your phone too. Yeah. It's pretty amazing the technology. And um, yeah, even using it in the household in the oven. I I oh yeah, I don't cook I don't cook meat without them anymore. It's just amazing. Yeah, they really just give you that peace of mind, and then you're not mm -hmm. cutting into something and losing all those precious juices that are running yes. out and yes. drying and, your proteins out. Do and and I'm glad you brought that up before we go on, because yeah. that's the other thing. If you cook a nice steak, say you're cooking your, a nice ribeye steak, give it about 10 minutes or a nice porterhouse. Give it about 10 minutes before you cut it so the juice flows back into it. Oh, yes. Don't. I know people out there, they get so excited. They've grilled something and they're just ready to eat. Let it set. I mean, just give it a little minute to chill before you slice into it. And by the way, don't lose those juices that run off. I like yeah. to just kind of, you know, take take those, drain them, put them back in maybe a pan with, you know, if I'm doing a little bit of a, a sauce on top, mm -hmm. put those back into the pan or just pour them back on top so that you don't lose yeah. that, that juice. <laughs> and, you know, if you're looking for a good topping, a compound butter is really easy to make. And you can you can soften some butter and you can put in some different herbs that you like, oh, some yeah. salt, some pepper, uh, you know, uh, and just refreeze it, roll it, roll it up, cut a little. And when, so when you serve that porterhouse or that ribeye, you put a couple slices of comp, not that you need butter with a steak, but oh boy, is it good. Well, <laughs> I, I love me some compound butter. And, yeah. and you can even use ghee for this for people oh, yeah. out there who maybe because some of our listeners don't do mm -hmm. dairy you can do a compound ghee and you just roll that up in yep. some wax paper um add your herbs i like to add rosemary i've always got rosemary growing mm -hmm. in my garden or oregano um and you can pop that onto a sweet potato too oh yeah or, you know, over a spare grilled asparagus, like it just, it's so extra. And oh, yeah. it just makes everything so, so much more flavorful, but also flavorful, but pretty. 
too. Yeah. And it just looks so chefy. Oh yeah, you get the aroma, you get the visual, you get the taste. It's it's just like uh, uh, just it's an explosion of sensations. Yeah. By the way, that makes a really nice gift. I've gifted those before. Oh yeah. Yeah, that just kind of this pretty little thing that looks like it's in a candy wrapper, but mm -hmm. it's just pure bliss. <laughs> fat. <laughs> yep, butter is good. A little fat is your friend. Yes, um, yes. Talk to me while we still have a few more minutes left. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about, you know, have you had any requests for kind of unique um, types of, uh, let's just say dietarily restricted recipes on your blog are people looking for more like gluten-free and dairy-free and more um you know plant-based is that something that you're seeing or I, are your followers really more in the traditional ilk of being an omnivore most of my followers are omnivores and are are not dietary restricted i i do get some that are you know looking not more towards the keto aspect low carbs and I, I actually have a section on my blog because a lot of things i cook are naturally low carb you know it, it's just uh, it's not that i started out to make them that way but they are i, I do have a few gluten-free recipes simply because there was a short time i was gluten-free i was trying to correct something in my health and that wasn't the issue so i went back to eating gluten because gluten is delicious <laughs> but, but uh no i yeah. i don't do them as a rule and people will ask me to make something dairy free or to make it gluten free and, and then we start getting a little bit more involved i could do it but it would take me you know some hours in the kitchen to refine and correct the differences i'd have to make in the recipe some are easy changes you know just using a a, a, a soy milk or almond milk instead of a um, dairy milk or using a uh, earth balance instead of butter uh you know some different things are real easy but other things require a little bit more science to not using eggs am i going to use flax meal now to make an artificial egg or so i don't as a yeah. rule and you know there's so many people out there that do it so well yeah and i i often tell people you know i think there's people tend to get on a bandwagon right about food and um you know they'll decide to kind of go one route because there's a perceived you know health associated with it but Needless to say, and I talk about this very openly in my book too, that just being gluten-free doesn't mean you're being healthier. No. Um, a lot of gluten-free products have a lot of added sugar and, you know, like white rice flour and fillers that are not necessarily nutrient dense. Um, and, and I think it's, you know, coming at it from a classic point of view, oftentimes just means that you're uplifting the integrity of the, the basic ingredients that you're using do you like us like do you tend to recommend grass-fed grass finished or you know pasture raised eggs or anything like that do you kind of get into that oh absolutely and and i'll tell you why i do it i know they're better for you but i do it because of the taste mm -hmm. you know it, it's i started Oh, about 15, 20 years ago, I made the move to uh, a pasture raised or, you know, there's so many different phrases out there. You have to be careful. Pasture raised seems to be the key one now because that means they're actually outside. Yes. Um, but pasture raised chicken, organic chicken, simply because chicken stopped tasting like chicken. Yeah. And I'm like, ah, there's something wrong when chicken doesn't taste like chicken. So yeah. I, I started with that. And the other one was milk. Milk could just seem to be bland and thin and it was like i remember almost skim milk used to be and i bought some grass-fed milk and it was like wow 
Mm. It was like drinking cream. And, and yeah. I actually have a, a lactose intolerance. But when I drink grass fed, I have no problem. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Why do you think why do you think that is? You know, I, I have to relate it back to the, the things and feeds that yeah. they're putting in, hormones that they're putting in, uh, antibiotics that they're giving them, different different levels of, of things that aren't natural. Yeah. You know, whenever I travel to Europe, I will eat like a fool and never gain any weight. Yes. You know, I, I have this conversation with people all the time and, you know, eating bread products, gluten in Europe. And I studied in Italy, like, and in France, you never get the side effects that you do here. And I think a lot of it has to also do with the yeast that's used. You don't, yep. they don't use the quick rise yeast. They use natural yeast and a natural fermentation process. So your body just digests everything a lot better. And I, I would agree with you. Like if you, the higher up the food chain, especially that you go, the more we need to be aware that what it's eating is what you're eating. Absolutely. So uh, cows that come from a feed lot, you know, are not getting the proper nutrition and therefore you are eating inflammatory meat. Yeah. So and the, yeah. the other thing with me is crazy meat. You know, I, I want my animals that I'm consuming. I mean, I, I like I like animal meat. I like it. You know, I'm, I won't deny it, but I want them to live a quality amount of life yeah. while they're living as animals. You know, pigs, oh, what we do to pigs is sinful. So, mm. you know, unless it's humanely raised and they're allowed to be pigs, I, I won't touch. I don't eat much pork anymore. I don't eat much beef anymore either. Yeah. Uh, but they just have to be allowed to be the creatures that God intended them to be, you know? Yes. He, amen that. to that. I, yeah, he, yeah, I, have he, a, I have a question mm -hmm. for you. What do sure. you think about cell-based meats? This is the big craze right now. So basically being able to engineer a meat product without the use of an animal. In you mean like, like the impossible, um, or, or just creating uh, literally incubating a meat product from a cell it, it's it scares me to be perfectly honest with you mm. uh, I, I think I would rather eat soy than eat that uh, mm -hmm. to eat a plant-based derivative and again those scare me a little bit too with some of the things I do with them but yeah, it's um, interesting. We're heading into a new frontier with that. And I think we're going to start to see a lot of things unfold because it's past the USDA and FDA. Yeah. And I mean, products are supposed to be in stores as early as this year. So wow. it will be I, really interesting to watch and to see just, you know, how that unfolds. I, I don't know where the market will be for it. I mean, I know, you know, we have to come up with a way as the population of the world grows to feed the population of the world, you know, and, and people are always using those excuses for the reason to make them, you know, just sort of like genetically modified. Oh, we need to do that to feed the world. I don't know if it's necessarily true. Yeah. You know, if you really need to do that, or if you need to just grow smarter. I mean, I, I came up through the sixties and seventies when we used to pay farmers not to grow food. Mm. Hmm. I, I mean, I lived in a farming community and, and these local farmers were getting paid by the government not to grow food because they had and they, they, Well, they were growing corn for ethanol and, you know, yeah. using up lots of land for, yeah. you know, feed, basically cheap feed for animals. And yeah. we're suffering the repercussions of that. And, you know, I think if people eat more responsibly, maybe eat a little less, 
I mean, I'll probably get some backlash for that, but you know, focus on quality versus quantity and, and really savor the meat and, and enjoy it rather than feeding, feeling like it's just got to be about volume. Well, you know, that's, and that's the big thing, the difference with us and with Europe too, is, you know, we somehow or other, you know, I guess the cowboys in us in America decided that, you know, more is good and, you know, we'll eat. I, I, I even did that. I served a 24 ounce porterhouse steak and there's no reason anyone on earth needs to eat a, a 24 ounce porterhouse steak. But Love it, my, my it, son would be all about that. But yes, you're right. You know, and and as I've gotten older, you know, I've learned, unfortunately, we don't always learn these lessons right away. But I think some of the newer chefs are taking this to heart and, and they're understanding the concept a little bit better. You know, I had some doubts in the, the 90s was like a dead time for chefs almost in, you know, the early 2000s. But then it seems like the ones coming out are more sustainable or more responsible or more local enthused about what they're serving. And it, it seems like we're, we're making a little bit of headway going towards the future. And again, that comes to like meat's supposed to be one third of the plate. You know, yeah. we tend to make it one half of the plate or more. Yeah. yeah. Uh, know more vegetables we just don't eat enough vegetables we don't eat grains grains are like people don't even know what grains are anymore i will tell my wife you want some aromath and she had no idea what i was talking about you know let's have some spelt you know some quinoa she's heard of although yeah. we, we there was a time when neither of us could pronounce it properly yeah <laughs> so. well i mean it's funny how things come into vogue and then you yeah. know but then people get on again these bandwagons yeah. of well no grains no carbs and i'm yeah. like no you don't understand these carbs don't spike your blood sugar the way other carbs do yeah. so I think part of that is education and really showing people how to elevate these these products into something delicious and even understand how to cook with them because it, it can be intimidating yeah. intimidating to hear a word and you're like i don't even know what that is how am i going to cook it now and, and again we go back to the price point you know white rice is cheap you know if you're going to buy farro or, or aramanth you know it's going to be more expensive and they go oh and i don't know how to cook it i'm going to ruin it so i'll stick with something i know and yeah you know, there's absolutely no reason to eat white rice. It's just, it's not, not going to help you at all, except fill your stomach and, and not in a good way. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, can you just um, say the name of your blog, Chef sure. Dennis? It's A Culinary Journey with Chef Dennis, and you can find me at askchefdennis.com. And across most social media, I'm Ask Chef Dennis. And we'll put that in the show notes as well. Um, we're, we're to the end of our uh, time together, but I always ask our guests one question. If you could have any meal prepared by anyone, past or present, who would it be and what would you have? I would have Julia Child mm. make me beef bourguignon. Oh! <laughs> do you know that that is exactly my answer really yes and i would ask her to make me a french onion soup too <laughs> i i would say an omelet <laughs> oh yeah Just uh, she was like omelets were her jam oh yeah but she's she's my gal and beef uh, bourguignon is like the classic dish that i would yeah. want her to make me yeah i mean she she was not appreciated she was a treasure
I mean, she later in her year, she was appreciated. But when she was first on TV, she was this housewife cooking, you know, and it was it was so sad. But uh, you know, she did get her dues later and later. In her oh, life she and, did. Oh, yeah, she and, did. And she, she is really uh, posthumously, I think, more popular than oh, ever. Yeah. With oh, yeah. good reason. Chef Dennis, it's been such a pleasure chatting with you. Now I'm super hungry. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Me too. <laughs> I just love your passion for food. Thank you for sharing it with the world. And everybody listening, make sure to check out Ask Chef Dennis on Instagram and Facebook and follow him and make sure to check out his blog. And uh, he's got a lot of yummy yummy things on his instagram i was um i was scoping it out for quite a while yesterday so thanks for all the the food excitement <laughs> oh thank you it was my pleasure and thanks for having me on your show today hey thank you so much for listening to this week's episode i know you have a lot of choices out there of what to listen to what to watch so it means a lot to me that you're here with me and hey if you love this content would you hit the subscribe button I want you around. I don't want you to just show up for one episode and leave. I want you here, part of the conversation, a seat at this table. And while you're at it, would you share this with your friends and family? And if you take a screenshot and share it on your social media with a hashtag RFYBL for recipes for your best life, I'll make sure to personally give you a shout out and you may just be featured right here on the show. So until next time, here's to living deliciously and being the chef of your best life.